Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 94 for Tuesday, February 2nd. I'm Alex Uy here today with Farbode Markazi and Ray Estrada. You know what? Instead of asking you guys how you're doing, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, Ray, how is Farbode doing? Farbode, how is Ray doing? Farbode is doing in the words of Alex Rudy, yes. And Ray is pondering the Nolan Arenado move. Well, that's that's one way to lead into the show, I guess. <laughs> but, to answer for myself, I am buzzed. Oh, okay. That's well, that's that's fun. I didn't know that. Is that a is that a normal thing? Are, are you are you usually buzzed when we do this? <laughs> Ray, do we need to have no. an intervention? <laughs> this is news to Farbod, me. You're the one, Farbod, You're the one who was mad at me for not having beers. That was for an alternative gaming experience with all of our friends, not a podcast. Are you teasing Beat the Shift Gaming? Huh? Don't 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 tempt me. <laughs> don't this is, tempt me. This is what I get for mixing up the intro. Okay, well anyway. <laughs> uh I'm teasing a Beat the Shift truck podcast. Yeah, I, I know you are. Well this this is one almost, I guess. We are all of age. Yeah. True. This is true. Um baseball? Baseball. Uh, we're still in Baseball. the middle of the off season. More people have been signing, thankfully. It's, it's picked up a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, this past week, we got... We're like two weeks away from spring training starting. Well, possibly. <laughs> we, d- we don't really know yet. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, too, with what MLB's plan is. Well, we do know. We're going to start with the big, almost just out of nowhere um, trade that popped up and was completed in the span of a couple days, and that would be Nolan Arenado getting traded to the Cardinals, as Farbode mentioned earlier, and the Rockies seemingly getting nothing out of this, which, you know, if you're a GM, you usually want to get something in return for trading one of your best players or your franchise player away, but uh, the Rockies felt it would be a good idea to send... Nolan Arenado, along with fifty million dollars, um, to uh, to cover some of his contract, to the Cardinals in exchange for uh, a couple prospects. I, I believe the the biggest prospect was uh, a pitcher from the Cardinals, uh, Austin Gomber. So that's neat. I don't know much about him. I don't. The know. Rockies He's basically got... the only guy in the field with league experience. Yeah, the the Rockies got back a, re- a reliever who had a really good season. Um, but we know how pitching can play out at, at Coors Field, so I don't really even know. Like, part of the mindset is when, when you're the Rockies, you can't really go out and attract free agent pitchers to come pitch there, so why not try to um, grow them in-house? So I guess that might have been part of the mindset. I think they got another prospect that was, like, number nine in the Cardinals system, so the Cardinals didn't give up a top-five prospect. They got fifty million dollars and and pro- and probably in like one of the top three, top four, um, third baseman in the league, depending on how you value your third basemans. Um, I, I I'm sorry if I cut you off, Uwe. I just I think when I saw this um, when I saw this happening, I kind of it kind of led me to remember one thing you said about two or three podcasts ago. The theme of this offseason has been, wait, why the hell did my team not do that? 
Or, <laughs> wait, that's all it took? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to pay me $50 million and you're going to take a number nine prospect uh, in my system and, like, a reliever who had a pretty good season? Like, I, I'm i sitting here saying how many other teams could have given um, the Rockies a similar or even a better uh, package back? That's that's kind of that, – that was just absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, the Rockies deserved this haul in a way because the contract that they gave Arenado was bad. Um, he certainly deserved an extension, but the GM, the GM insisted on the opt-out, not Arenado. So they set themselves up to sell him as a possible rental with his opt-out after this season and next, and they knew Arenado wanted out. Like, they'd refused to build around Arenado. So you had an unhappy um, star with with a lot of money attached to him if you go out the length of his contract. So, like, they didn't have any leverage with, with this. So they kind of deserve what they got, having to give up $50 million, including paying all of his 2021 salary, uh, all, I believe, $35 million he's owed this year. So the Cardinals could conceivably get Arnado uh, for this one year for free, give up a, a few middling prospects, you know, the number nine and a decent middle reliever, but not pay any money to this guy who could maybe give him a decent run in uh, 2021. Yeah, it's still it's still Nolan Arenado, and we can quibble about if we think Nolan Arenado deserves that kind of money what is i think he averages oh just over 32 million on on his current contract uh like you said 30 he would make 35 million uh this upcoming full season but he's still an elite defender and and a a great bat even outside of Coors field or at least at least in the nl central in nl central bar in NL Central yeah. ballparks. He's still definitely an above-average hitter. Yeah, C- Coors Field splits. Coors Field splits are always overblown because you have to think about the NOS ballparks that are most of the road games that Coors Field guys play. They're playing in what whatever the heck the Giant Stadium is called now because it changes every year. Oracle. Uh, they're playing in. I still call it SBC. Um. They, they're playing in Petco Park, which is neutral at best. They're playing in Dodger Stadium, which is neutral at best. And, you know, he struggles at Dodger Stadium against a very good Dodgers team, which makes sense. So, like, the I mean, the Coors Field splits are a bit overblown because the majority of the other road games are in not great hitters parks. And also, I want to, uh, like, to jump onto that, it's, yeah, it's not even like not a great hitters park. It's the when they go on the road, when they play in those California stadiums, at nighttime the ball doesn't carry in California. People think like warm weather ball carries not. Ball does not carry. It's not humid. It's not humid. It it will drop down. So like that, it I can't wait until the Nolan Arenado course field. Um, he's only good because he plays in cores. Uh, like critics get shut up when he goes out to St. Louis. I mean, his last full season, 
2019, uh, even disregarding 2020. He, in 2019, he hit 315 with 41 homers, 118 RBIs, had a, where's his OPS? Had a 962 OPS. I mean, if you, if you want to just base it off of just the traditional stats, what the 315 could go down to what, 300, 280, 290, 41 home runs turns into uh, mid 30s. I, I'm not, I'm not too upset about that, and that's still yeah, like, for, yeah. for a third baseman, including his defense. And mind you, as we mentioned, the Cardinals got paid to take him on, um, so they're not they're not really. Yeah, I, I, yeah I've seen people say like, oh, Arnado's not going to be as good as he has been. He might get like he's not going to be a forty one twenty, um, you know, three uh three twenty guy. He's going to be uh, uh, 30, 100, and like 270. I'm like, I'd still take You're that. Like, with that oh defense. no. That's not a bad player. Yeah. And, and also, I want to point out with all due respect but, to the. What's Colorado the meme of the, of the boys, the superhero, the oh no, and laser eyes? That, yeah. That's basically. <laughs> I, I want to point out with, uh, with all due respect to the Colorado Rockies, we know how good the St. Louis Cardinals organization has always been at involving the players um improving them growing them so we don't we there's a good chance we don't even see a drop off like the, he's going to a good situation st louis this team isn't like fantastic but in a bad nl west i mean in a bad nl central he was already uh the, they were already probably the favorites and then now i think this kind of solidifies them as the favorites to win the division yeah, that's I guess that's the next conversation is like where does that land the Cardinals? Well, they're the only team in the Central that's not actively like tanking. I guess the Brewers aren't actively tanking, but they're kind of not really doing much either right now. The Brewers and Reds just aren't good enough, and yeah, the Cubs fell out of the conversation. Yes, yeah. yeah, I just just a comment on some Twitter conversations I've seen tonight. Cubs fans are complaining about this trade because they think. You know, obviously, Cardinals gave up nothing uh, for Arnado. They're like, oh, the Commissioner of Players Association should have nixed this trade. It's like, you guys gave up Darvish for nothing. It's like, stop complaining. <laughs> yeah, that that's a bit ridiculous. But the, the, the Cardinals are, in a, of course, in a better position than they were before with Arenado. And, yeah, like you said, the Rockies really now are... Uh, are looking like a seller. Oh, well, in two different senses of the word. Um, yeah. Obviously selling pieces, and they will likely end up in the seller of the NL West now for so who knows how long. So what happens to Trevor Story? He's gonna, he has to get traded at some point. He has to get traded. You can't, like, he's not going to want to sign an extension. And you can't just let that guy walk. You have to get something for him. Mm-hmm. How much do you, do you guys think because of the contract that he doesn't have compared to Arenado's. He, the Rockies are going to theoretically get more in return for Story than they would have in Arenado. He's still a rental, so I don't know, know necessarily. Yeah, still, like, 100% will get more than Arenado because, obviously, it's almost like a net loss <laughs> from from the Rockies' side in that trade. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's a really low hurdle to clear. But, uh, yeah, Trevor Story... You know, whatever else they can sell, they they have to fully rebuild at this point. There doesn't seem to be really any other options. In even the Rockies' windows of contention, you could say, we're just really sad. And you look at their offseason moves year to year, 
they weren't like, oh, you know, I'm excited about these deals. Like, you know, all, all the moves that were made were kind of like, that's that's really all we're doing. Or, you know, that seems that seems like a bad idea even at the time. And uh, and it ended yeah. up being a bad idea. So it not even not even just a, a, a streak of bad luck, just a streak of no. They basically just rode a couple of hot pitching years to the playoffs and kind of rested on that and thought, you know, oh, these pitchers that we developed who are good for like two weeks at a time will carry us further. But then they signed, they, they acquired and developed nobody behind Arnado and Story in that lineup. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, oh, this is a random thought that just popped in my head. Um you know, considering this is also a bit of a transition, considering the Angels just traded for, for Alex Cobb for Bode, would you uh would you have much rather preferred to see them maybe try to trade for a guy like Herman Marquez from the Rockies? Or like John, John Gray, Gray or John Gray or anybody better than Alex Cobb really <laughs> that, so, that they could have um, gotten from I there? Really, I, and cheaper I really than have Alex to Cobb. look into um I really have well the funny thing about the cheaper than Alex Cobb, the Angels are only paying like five millions. But uh, that only five million of that is going to hit the cap, so they figured it out somehow salary-wise, where they're not really going to. It's not like that egregious. With that being said, absolutely. <laughs> I my, how how I see this as is, you go out and sign um, the trade for Alex Cobb. First of all, the guy uh, while while Jam Jones isn't fantastic, he's still a twenty fifteen second round pick who. Um, will have a in seven at bats at 429 with the angels seven at bats but he's a top um, 10 prospect for you guys yeah you we we gave up a top 10 prospect for like i i just don't understand this why couldn't you have kept jam jones and signed a pitcher at the same level for five million dollars or gone out and uh i mean it it seems like perry manazian isn't done and that at least that's what it's been coming out of Anaheim, but at the same time, it's kind of a little. It's a little bit sus. Just, just seeing that you could have saved the top ten prospect. You could have put packaged him in another deal. And to answer your question, Uwe, absolutely, you could have packaged him in another deal. And seeing how the Rockies value um, number nine prospects or top ten prospects, you could have sent him to uh, Colorado for Armand Marquez, like or John Gray or someone um, that could have worked. Or, I mean, bring Garrett Richards back before he signs with the Red Sox. Like, for that same cost, they could have definitely done more in my eyes. Yeah, uh, it's a real head-scratcher, and I can only say sorry. Uh, To to, to talk about a team that that actually is uh, not disappointing their fans, at least in terms of their off-season effort, uh, the Phillies went ahead and re-signed JT Real Muto and Didi Gregorius. They brought him back too. They're they're bringing their boys back home, uh, Real Muto, to a five-year, hundred fifteen point five million dollar deal, which puts him point five outside the range for me getting that free agent prediction. Right? <laughs> Thanks, guys. And uh, Didi will get two years, uh, and twenty eight million dollars over those two years. Um, so yeah. Hello. That's that's fun. Congrats, Phillies. Hopefully, the rest of yeah. the bullpen and everything else that that they're doing works out. Because I, we talked about this a little bit too. You know, the Phillies kind of a disappointing team over over the years, and they haven't really put together a playoff caliber team 
since you know the late 2000s in in those glory days of the Phillies but it's not for a lack of effort they they're always trying they're always spending money they're always going after yeah. big free agents and um you know they maybe have had a bit more yeah, bad luck than a team like the Rockies um because they 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 at least have been trying. They were kind of like the Padres I mean, in in those in the middle two thousand tens. You know when the Padres they're were, the early were, AJ Preller days. They were try like they do a lot and and not just like minor moves. Like they're they're trying to make big splashes and because they're they a big Harper. market team. Yeah, they're a big market team and they're and they're doing what a big market team should. Except it's not really working Wait. out at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, Uwe, I think. Like so, he, I see this from like two different sides. Yes, uh, they did do a good job of keeping their fans happy by keeping Real Muto and Didi, but because those are moves that they had to make, those you can't go out and trade for the, those guys. You can't go out and sign those guys, and then not bring them back, not retain them. But at the same time, at least in my eyes, I feel like if I was a Phillies fan, and you bring in a Dave Dombrowski who's so. Um, whose reputation as a general manager, as a president of baseball operations, is is we're going to disregard the future. We're going to focus on right now. And I would have figured they would have tried to imp- – like, to me, this is the same 2020 team. Uh, I would have figured they would have tried to improve upon their 2020 team at least a little bit more. As Ray mentioned, we are two weeks away from spring training, so – they don't have a whole lot of time until spring training, but at the same time, there's there. I, I, I would have thought that I would be a little bit more disappointed if I was a Phillies fan, seeing us kind of maintain what we have, even though those were moves we had to make and seeing the Braves who are better, the Mets who got way better this, this off season, the nationals aren't a bad team by any measure. And the Marlins <laughs> made the playoffs last year. So while whatever people think of the Marlins, they made the playoffs last year instead of the Phillies. So there's significant competition in that division. I yeah, I, I will say to to be fair to the Phillies, at least this offseason, the fact that they had to resign Real Muto and Didi because they don't really have any other foundation besides a Harper and a Nola. No, absolutely. They don't really like those moves had anybody. to have been made. Yeah. Those, so those so in terms of in terms of like in, improving they didn't have that opportunity because they had to resign what they had. I'm going to be, otherwise we're going to keep going down. I'm going to be honest. I am completely missing the point of any of this discussion. It's like, what is, what is the point? Like they were bad last year. They, they did what they had to this off season to, to remain bad. Well, you know, to give themselves a chance, right? That's all they that's all they can and, do. And, I, I don't really get your point at all. Uh, so I'm just gonna go ahead and move past it because I don't understand it. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I I'm saying the moves are were necessary and I make sense. It makes sense that they had to make them. I'm not like bashing. Them you're just you're basically just saying I would be sad as a Phillies fan because the rest of my division is so good. Or the or that the team like the teams only made moves to keep its mediocrity from the previous year well they they cleaned house they like cleaned house they cleaned house in the bullpen at least that was the biggest problem and they're like well we're gonna roll we got to just roll out a completely different bullpen so that's that's part of their plan that's a hundred percent true so yeah you you are you are completely right about that yeah but i mean they 
it's not like they went out and got the best closers or the best bullpen guys in the league either. And not that that was an opportunity, but they did clean house in the bullpen. So I'll give you credit for saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about some some shortstops who have signed not as shortstops, or I guess Simmons did, and just like moved aside and, uh, a perfectly competent shortstop with the Twins. Uh, Simmons will be the shortstop for the Twins. He's one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball to a one-year, $10.5 million deal. And he's going to bump Jorge Polanco over to second base. And then Luis Arias, who's you know a very good hitter and uh, has been their everyday second baseman uh, for the better part of you know a little over a full season now, um, will take on more of a super utility role, it seems. So the Twins were just like, screw it let's get let's get simmons we we got buxton in center field already with some some excellent defense and then we'll just we'll just solidify it right up the middle and get one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball uh with simmons so yeah so now what (laughs) are are the twins better are the twins actually better like moving jorge polanco and and adding simmons who you know good player but by no measure a great player especially he's, with the bat not, i will say um as an angels fan you give him regular like if the injuries hadn't been there and that there's no way to say that like there's no way to imagine that obviously because the injuries were there but when he had consistent playing time he was at least like an average uh like average sometimes above average offensive hitter which um only made him more valuable as a player um, when you take in how good he is on defense, I mean, I I I do struggle with the fact that they moved Polanco to second and are making a really good hitter, kind of a super utility role guy. But at the same time, it's not like we haven't seen really good players in that super utility role. I mean, Ben Zobrist. Um, why why am I suddenly blanking on a bunch of guys? But it. it I do. Is I don't think that this is going to take a lot of at bats away from Rise. I don't. I think this will. But the point of, uh, at least when the Angels acquired him was, we're going to try to make it. If if our pitching isn't going to be fantastic, we're at least going to try to make it harder for, um, unnecessary runs to score. And you get that good defense out there. That's good. And depth is never a problem. I I th- I think I think to. Um. You know you. You only came up with Zobers for super utility guys. Marvin Gonzalez is, is that other guy, but he hasn't worked out for the Twins. So for some maybe that's for reasons Arias, for different reasons. Yes, uh, but maybe that's where Arias slides into. He he becomes that super utility guy who's gonna get a lot of at bats playing mostly every day, yeah, and then three out of maybe four games probably. This this may be an ultimate contingency plan for how often Donaldson seems to get hurt. You know, maybe you know that you don't have Donaldson for 30, 60 games a year. So if you have an extra infielder like Simmons, um, whenever Donaldson is out, you can play Arise every day, second base, have Polanco play third. Could it and also, so, you know, yeah. Could it also be a contingency plan um, just in case they don't sign Cruz? Obviously, very different hitters um, on all sides, but you move like Donaldson or you move, I mean, even Arise to the DH spot. And, you have the infield set up and you have um you do have like a pretty solid bat out there yeah or or yeah donaldson might become that dh for sure 
or you know maybe you don't want snow in the field um and you they have options for sure yeah it's it's uh, this another head scratcher for me i i just don't really understand it um especially it's it's a move move where it it needs to be made yeah it's because like jorge polanco is a you know uh, last year was, was a bit of a down year but you know, capable. all things considered, yeah, very capable, like really solid hitter, like solid defender, like all around kind of kind of seemed like an anchor there for them. And and is not not a, an incredibly um po- like three true outcomes hitter, which is rare for the twins. You know, they're they're full of guys like like Sano and Mitch Garver and and I guess to to an extent more recently Josh Donaldson, like guys that that will you know, hit hit a lot of home runs and hit for a lot of power, and then also just be complete zeros at times uh, if they're striking out a lot. So I, I don't know. It's it's just weird. Another head scratcher, even more of a head scratcher. Marcus Simeon, who is just a year removed from being an MVP finalist, he was a third place finisher in the AL MVP uh, race in 2019, is signing a one year deal with the Blue Jays to not play shortstop. He's signing a one-year $18 million deal <laughs> to be their second baseman because Bo Bichette, I don't know if you heard of him, is uh, is kind of the shortstop of the future for the Blue Jays. He's kind of good. He's pretty good. Um, and Marcus Semien, uh, just another another top top-tier shortstop still, I would say. He, ha- again, had a down year and a really weird 2020 whatever you want to make of it he was one of the top free agent bats out there yeah still one of the still one of the top free agent bats out there still made still retained at least a lot of the the strides he'd made defensively in his mvp season and in terms of plate discipline as a leadoff hitter which was like the biggest step for him um like those those gains that he'd made seemed to be pretty like for the most part legitimate you know compared to marcus Simeon from from years past so this could be a great deal for the blue jays you know it's just a one-year rental or or not a one-year rental one one year reset basically and he will test the market again next year uh and hopefully get a contract that he thinks he's more deserving of but it's it's just weird that this happened in in an environment where this this was before Didi Gregorius signed with the Phillies too, where a team like the Reds specifically, and and other teams out there that could use an upgrade at shortstop, like could really use an upgrade at shortstop, end up signing, um, to teams that already have, or he ends up signing to a team that already has a a star shortstop. Uh, but just is it weird. weird that he chose that the Blue Jays wanted him? Because I think yes, it is weird that like. We, I mean, we don't know how hard the Reds or teams that would have needed a shortstop um, pushed for him or pushed for a guy like Didi. But, I mean, now when you look at the Blue Jays' infield, it's Guerrero, Simeon, Bichette, and Biggio. I think that's that's solid. That's that's good. And Simeon provides good defense, best, um, one of the best bats out there um, in this market. Um, kind of solidifies that infield, and then your outfield's pretty solid too. So the Blue Jays, I think this kind of is just like the safe. Let's let's get this guy out here. He's gonna be um, what we know him to be, and I don't think it's as weird on the Blue Jays' standpoint. 
No, it's great no, for them. The, <laughs> oh, it's fantastic for the Blue Jays. On the Blue Jays side, it's like I think every team kicks the tires at least a little bit on most free agents. This one just happened to be like, oh, like Simeon, like nobody, no other team has an offer that Simeon likes. I know the Dodgers were sort of not necessarily in on Simeon, but kicking the tires on him because they need a right-handed bat, third baseman with Turner asking for what he wants, and. So everybody kind of thought Simeon would go to the Dodgers, but maybe they had a two or three year offer that he didn't necessarily like, and so he wanted to take a reset offer. So the Simeon almost fell into the Blue Jays' lap of like, oh, and then and so in the modern MLB, it's never a bad thing to gain an extra bat, and then you can figure out the positional versatility from there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he wants to test the market next year when. CBA is getting renegotiated, so test the you know, market in September of twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two when uh the CBA gets figured out. Yeah, I mean, uh, good luck to to him. I I suppose. Uh, we're gonna just blaze right through these other two notes. Uh, Jock Peterson signed with the Cubs to a one year seven million dollar deal. Just kind of weird because the Cubs let Schwarber go for yeah, probably, Schwarber, yeah I was gonna say it's a Kyle probably Schwarber. about the same uh, amount of money he would have made in arbitration. You'd think. So cool, yeah. I guess. Uh he'll forget who's arguably better than Schwarber. He'll he'll play every day too, it seems like, which seems like what Peterson wanted, so that was probably a big uh deciding this, factor. This is definitely a reset deal with the one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if he can prove he's semi competent against lefties, then yeah. Yeah, I mean he's legitimately not played every day or you know, not as a platoon player for years now. So uh I guess that works for him. Wilson Ramos is gonna be the Tigers catcher. Uh, I guess that's pretty cool. He's he's a good hitter when he's healthy. Uh, struggles to stay healthy. And Masahiro Tanaka is going back to Japan. Another pitcher that didn't sign with the Angels. Uh, he he went back to Japan. Uh, to play why, for his why old team. Why you always gotta bring me in this? Uh, <laughs> it's I I think it's fun. Do you think it's fun? Because because every, every time we talk about a pitcher signing in the chat, you always bring up the fact that the Angels didn't sign him. I mean, it's fair though, right? <laughs> yeah i mean we can we can spend some time um later in the off season talking about uh trevor bauer and how he he likely won't sign with the Angels. i guess he, i guess he's got his announcement video all ready to go so <laughs> what is that apparently is that real from his uh from his accounts he teased it on his on his twitter yeah. oh my god it, you know, i i told i told you that's how it was gonna be was I'm ready Trevor. for passing to just like blow it like tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think he. I, I think Trevor Bauer has been cultivating this for too long, um, like this whole off season really to to draw out his his free agent decision to expand his his personal brand, his media brand as much as possible. And you know, kudos to him because I think he's done pretty well with that, uh, playing playing the content creation game and. Uh, and riding riding the off season uh, drama for for all it's worth. So I that's do, that's I his do game. I expect him that's to sign game. decently soon, though. I mean, he's um, almost out of time. Yeah, I'm sure he yeah, he, had, yeah. he had it in his calendar since like yeah, August. You know when when am I going to to decide and and all like what is the yeah. I mean yeah this is schedule this of a case of, of of like teams not necessarily like trying too hard for him like yeah nobody's kicking the tires on trevor bauer 
he's had legit offers for a while. He's just milking this thing for all it's worth. Yeah, and at this point, you get teams that, whether they made offers or not, sometimes uh, we've seen it in the past, not saying it's going to happen to Bauer, but we've, we've seen it in the past where some free agents do draw out their um, free agency trying to get the best possible offer, the best possible situation, or for their own personal reasons. And the teams that are pursuing them are like, wait, we got a timeline too. And we <laughs> have to fill our holes. And if you don't want to join us, we're, we're going to eventually have to go in a different way. So I think Bauer will eventually will sign decently soon. I'm not sure if that's necessarily in the next couple of days, but it has to be within the next like week and a half. <laughs> Probably. So just to, yeah, I, that that's that's what I'm expecting. He's like he's like new new media LeBroning this one with like the the announcement the decision. Well, what was it called when he when when he had the whole like uh it was the TV decision. yeah it's the decision. So this is like the the new wave media version of that, which I, I find kind of funny. Right. It also, I don't think it's going to be Paston that's going to drop it. He's specifically said multiple times that any time a team, any like whenever he de- ends up deci- deciding, um, it's going to come from Rachel Luba, his agent. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're we're almost done here. Let's talk a little bit about the most recent potential scenario for the season. Apparently. Well, I, I guess this, was this proposal rejected outright? The uh, the proposal this to proposal play one hundred night MLB made a statement to try to make the players look bad, but basically saying that the season will occur as uh, originally scheduled. Yep. Oh, so that that is like the the decision. Yeah. Well, yeah, was the it? MLBPA yeah. chose to. Um, they they rejected the. The offer, and then the the league basically says, "Yep, nope, we're going to start um, on time." the The original proposal was instead of um, starting spring training February seventeenth, it would be March twenty second. Opening day would be delayed from April first to the twenty ninth, cutting down the season from one hundred sixty two games to one hundred fifty four. Um, and then basically, the MLB, as Ray said, came out with a statement, and after the players' association. Um, rejected it and now the MLB has a right and has the power to say nope we're starting on time we're starting as planned well sorry do you mind do you mind filling me on in on the whole um spring training delay in Arizona that we were talking about last week or was that just kind of like uh never that never was, mind it's fine a, now that was an ask that's not necessarily a that wasn't anything yeah. that was official that, that was the it was them requesting. It was like a we'd really we'd really prefer not to do this right now. Looking at our numbers, yeah, it was Maricopa County. Yeah, yeah, no, it was not them saying we will not host games. Figure oh. out what to do. It was them requesting yeah. to delay, but yeah, Mar- Maricopa County requested to delay it, or at least say like, please don't have fans here because our our numbers are going up. They again. they didn't hold very firm on that one. It seems so. No, I, I mean, am. They have fans of the Coyotes and Suns game. They, so they didn't really have. They didn't really have the power in that. Within the rules and the agreements that they had, the MLB had the full leverage to say, nope, we're, we're starting on time. Well, I have every right to remain pessimistic then about a seamless start to the MLB season, uh, especially because we are coming up on, on a really not fun anniversary of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> so, uh, Remember when it was supposed to be just two weeks and then we'd all be back to normal? Yikes. This has been the longest two weeks of my life. Yeah. 
that's for sure. All right. Well, we are going to wrap up the podcast for today. Uh, we'll, we'll end with the one little uh, bit of news that Dustin Pedroia, the laser show, has officially announced his retirement as well. So, you know, best to, to him, one of the most iconic that's players all. of his generation. And even as a Yankees fan, a player who I think is pretty universally respected, uh, showing everybody that stature doesn't really matter. It's about what's what's un- well, I don't know. It's just about being a being a freaking baller. That's that's all it's really about. Is, is what it came he's down to. He's original Altuve, and he never cheated. So big facts. He's he's the play he's the play with heart um, type guy. I I did see a tweet earlier today um, after this announcement came out that said all anyone's talking about with Pedroia uh, retiring is his height. Uh, not necessarily the fact that he's a rookie of the year, MVP, um, World Series champion, done all this great stuff for the league, and basically um, has become an inspiration um, for everyone. He's, he plays with his heart, and that's all. That, that was great. And hats off to him. Great career. Hats off for sure. Uh, that's it for us. Thanks, everybody, for sticking around to the end. If you, if you did, if you enjoyed it, uh, make sure you rate and comment and subscribe to us. If you want to uh, know when we post new episodes. Also, let us know what you thought. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Connect with us at BeatTheShiftBP on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And uh, our website, BeatTheShiftBaseball.com. Podcasts, articles, everything that we do is there. So that is it for today. Thank you, everybody. One last time. As always, Farbode. Peace. Peace.